welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm your host, Steph Ganowski. After having multiple negative experiences with men, I started to believe all men were toxic. That is, until a few male strangers challenged my belief completely. This made me realize that a major problem with men in relationships stems from the fact that most men don't really love themselves or pay enough attention to their own strengths. I want to change that. Now I'm on a mission to help men thrive mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually in their relationships with themselves and with women. So stay tuned and see how my passion can help you as a man. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Men podcast. Today you're in for a treat. I have never had someone come on the show who is a productivity coach. Yes. I feel especially now during this time of COVID, we're all stuck at home. We're all trying to figure out how to manage our time best. So I thought this would be the best time uh, to bring in a productivity coach to help us do exactly that. I know myself, I have reached burnout, hit burnout. (laughs) It was a hard hit uh, last week or two weeks ago at this point. And I I asked Mac to come on the show a week before that. So I was like, wow, this is perfect timing to help me avoid burnout moving forward. So this doesn't happen again. So I don't get sick. So I don't feel like I'm not getting anything done when I actually am. And just understanding the process of productivity, how to make the number one priority, the number one priority, and all that good stuff. So before I give away her tips and tricks, um, I want to introduce you to Mackenzie McDonald. Mackenzie McDonald is a productivity coach with four plus years working in process optimization and architecture. She built and scaled a digital consulting firm from zero to 100K in less, less than three months, took a tech services company from six to seven figures in just six months. Mackenzie has successfully managed over 180 contractors in 17 different time zones and is a lead coach specializing in productivity for the number one seven-figure online coaching program. Mackenzie founded her signature program, The Productivity Accelerator, for professionals to master their time and energy so they can live a healthy work-life balance. Find Mackenzie on Instagram at bymac. That's B-Y-M-A-C-K-K and online at www.macmotion.com. Mac, I'm so excited to have you on. Oh my God, the timing of this could not have been better. Thank you. Steph, I am stoked for this. Thank you for having me on your podcast. This is going to be really, really juicy, really fun. Thanks for having me here. Yes, of course. Oh my God, I can't wait to dig into all this because although I talk a lot about you know relationships and communication and of that nature. This has so much to do with it because I feel like productivity is such an emotional thing. And, you know, when we hit burnout, we get like really emotional and uptight and then we can't communicate with our partner and then fights arise out of nowhere for no reason. And it's because, you know, we're judging ourselves for not getting things done or we're, we're simply just, you know, can't get things done or we're just, we can't get ourselves to focus. So I think this has to do with so much um, in terms of you know relationships and communication with ourselves and with others, so I want to start there and just actually I would love to start with understanding your story about why you became a productivity coach and was it because you were because you were struggling so much that it made you want to understand it or was it something else? Totally, yeah. Especially 
talking about productivity and your podcast and your audience totally gets this with like, you are the front line of your business. And as a high achiever, um, as somebody who's super ambitious, it's really important to be able to have your brain working at the optimal output so you can actually enjoy your life. Um, so I totally get it. And in terms of my story, why I'm obsessed with productivity. And I know you and I were just chit chatting right before we hit the record button, but being a, a neuroscience nerd, a neuro nerd, um, that is so huge. But where my obsession with this actually comes from, um, back in 2014, senior year of college, I was uh, an opera major <laughs> and I switched oh, wow. to business. Um, so I actually come from like music and I've wanted to be a performer, but I was actually hit by a car walking across the street on a Friday night. Um, and just everything shifted from there, ended up with a really gnarly concussion, um, ended up, you know, having to drop a couple classes the semester of graduation. And as a high achiever, that was a really tough pill to swallow. Um, but after that, I, after graduation, jumped into the corporate world. Um, and with a concussion, you have to be so mindful of your brain's output. And it just shifted everything. Um, and I became really obsessed two years later when I finally got the, uh, the healing for that injury. Um, I went to a traumatic brain therapist, did a lot of therapy, got into yoga, uh, but I was working in the corporate world and it wasn't super working out for me. So I ended up actually taking a contract to go be a brothel museum tour guide in Alaska for three years. So I ended up being a performer for three years, six months on, six months off, traveled a lot, got a yoga, a couple yoga, yoga certifications. Um, but after living in Costa Rica for three months and you come back to the United States and you have no money, you had to figure out really quickly. So I ended up becoming a virtual assistant for a tax services firm where the premise was, you know, as long as we will do any task, as long as it's legal. And I became obsessed because this was a $25 an hour gig. And I was like, man, I can, I can do this. And I had negative money to my name and I was living on a friend's couch and I worked so much. I was working probably 60 hours a week. Um, and I had the like a horrible time sleeping. Um, and I just had these things like anxiety and depression that I had never really dealt with before pop up amidst this and became really obsessed with how can I be the most productive person? I want to scale in this company. I want to make more money. I want to actually make a really big impact and ended up scaling really fast in that company, ended up running one of the verticals, the marketing vertical is what we called it. Um, so I managed about 43 contractors, ended up building processes for this firm. But essentially, that, that, this is really where my productivity journey started with the word productivity. One of my mentors was a productivity coach. Um, my other mentor was a business efficiency specialist. So I essentially learned everything I could from both of them. And went with that for about a year and a half, working under their tutelage, working with their companies. And then I'm sure you resonate when I say like, at one point, you're working to build your own influence and build your own business, but you're working for that of somebody else's. So that's when I jumped and started my own business and had been working in, especially in consulting with process building, optimization, um, and productivity but really it's because I actually really wanted to enjoy my life, right? I wanted to have my own freedom 
And especially as somebody who had a really gnarly brain injury, being able to understand how to be in the best control of my mind, my output, my success, my emotions, that was critical. And I really wanted not to work to go on vacation, but work and enjoy every moment that I had. So my obsession with productivity really starts because at one point, I couldn't think. I couldn't find words to finish a sentence. It was hard to stay in conversations to being my own boss, to running a really successful business, to helping others scale their businesses so that they can not just work to go on vacation, but work to actually enjoy their life. That's where, that's where this whole journey started. Wow. I love that. I love that it was so like personal to you. That's what made, that's what really makes you come off so passionate about this. And oh my God, I want to dive in. Can we dive in quick to like, well, probably not quick, but like the neuro of it. (laughs) Can you like dig into that a little bit? And like, how does productivity affect our brain or like what is, what is lacking if we're not productive in our brain? So productivity, I want to break down the actual definition because there are three tiers of productivity. So if you think about it like a triangle or a pyramid, I call it the productivity pinnacle. Productivity is a super sexy buzzword, right? Like when everybody hears, Ooh, I want to be productive. You're like, yes, ma'am. Count me (laughs) in. But productivity, the definition of that is the ability to create or produce. So if you were to give somebody who works eight hours in a day, if you were to make them more productive, they could produce more in less time. Um, there's working in four hours, but they don't know what else to do with the other four hours. They will likely still try and fill it with work. And that starts to exhaust you. The second tier of productivity is efficiency. It means being able to produce in the right amount of time or at the right time. And then the pinnacle, the very peak of productivity, it's kind of like this productivity journey you're on, is being effective, which means doing the right thing. So it is this almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it's with productivity. You start with productivity, you move to efficiency so you can end up being effective. So understanding that is your baseline. When it comes to productivity and the neuroscience of it, you have neurotransmitters in your brain. Think about it like your communication system. You are having these little communications firing your brain um, and it works alongside something called the amygdala, which is essentially the label maker of your brain. So if you've ever seen the movie Inside Out, the Pixar movie, the kids movie with like joy and anger and fear, the amygdala is the labeler, right? So you have an experience and then you label it with an emotion. Productivity in the brain is all about making the right decisions. So one of the most fascinating pieces of productivity is studies have shown you only have three hours and 53 minutes of productivity or peak times that you have able to focus, right? So if you say like, oh my God, a day, right? And they don't, it doesn't happen all at once, right? So there are ebbs and flows. They come in two hour increments or even 45 minute increments, but the whole entire goal of productivity in your brain is to not exhaust the amount of decisions you're making and to not exhaust extended amounts of time of focus because oof, that will that's hard to sustain for more than a couple hours. So really productivity in neuroscience is being able to understand your biological clock throughout the day. The rises and falls of hormones in your brain, the rises and falls of your body temperature will dictate your output. That is really where productivity starts in the brain. So it's different for what makes it different for each person? It's actually the circadian rhythm. 
circadian rhythm being like your sleep, your sleep biology. So you're sleep. Mm-hmm. You cannot sleep when you're dead. You have to sleep every single day. You have to get that right amount of rest because your brain's a muscle. Productivity is a muscle. And just like we do when we work out, it's time under tension. We need to have that focused drill time where we are putting our muscles under pressure, but then you need to have ample rest and recovery. So especially as you are working on a daily basis, sleep is one of the sleep and meditation are the only times where your brain's getting that deep rest and reset which turns into being able to make those creative connections. So how you can tell your, your peak states essentially throughout the day and your output is based on your sleep. Mm. I love that. And that makes so much sense. And is there a certain amount of sleep that allows you to be more productive? Because I feel like sometimes if you oversleep, that can kind of mess you up, right? Is it like a certain it, amount of yeah. hours? Of it totally can. The, the, the populations are actually split into what is called chronotypes, essentially your circadian rhythm type. Um, and there's a ton of research out there. Um, and I've been doing all this research for the last four years. And essentially, there are four main types of chronotypes. So in terms of how many hours is the optimal amount of sleep, it depends. Some people have a low sleep drive, others have a medium sleep drive, and others have a high sleep drive. of the population, that's where you get the eight eight and a half hours of sleep. And you get that low 2 p.m. feeling where you dip in the middle of the day, why five-hour energy exists. But then there are people that are like the rise and grind 5 a.m.ers. That does not work for 50% of the population. So it's truly actually understanding what your sleep drive is. There's a lot of quizzes online that you can take to be able to figure out your chronotype, essentially. Um, but it really has to do with your genetics. Um, it has to do with your age. It has to do with your gender. But 50% of the population rise and fall with the sun. We call them bears. So essentially waking up around 7, going to sleep around 10, 30, 11, that's going to work for 50% of the population. Others, the other 50% are split into night owls, which we call wolves. Dolphins are more insomniacs. They have a really light sleep drive. Um, and then lions, just like in the wild, they are the morning hunters. Those are the 5 a.m.ers. So mm-hmm. it actually depends on the sleep drive that you're born with. Okay, cool. So interesting. Okay, so let's go. And it's, it's funny because I was a lion. I've been a lion for like three years. And just recently, I'm a bear. I don't know if like naturally I am a lion like and now all of a sudden the last couple months I've been waking up at like seven versus five but I'm like my body is trying to get back to that lion so bad (laughs) so bad the thing about it is there is questions around well can your sleep drive change the answer is no like what you're born with um and especially like what you are as a teenager will likely change as an adult however like think about it like seasons, right? All four seasons are not the same. Your body reacts to the seasons, especially with the amount of work that you have going on, right? So if you are working more for a season, for example, right now I know is a time where this is a season of work for a lot of us. Like we are working, we are taking advantage of what's going on so we can actually build the continued success. But it's like time under tension, if you're working more, your body's going to need more rest. So probably you're sleeping more, but at a time where things are locked and loaded, where you just went through a really big growth spurt and you want to, you know, you want to soak in that growth. You might 
go back to that, like, oh, wait, it's awesome. I can wake up at 5 a.m. But it really also allowing yourself those seasonal shifts because it doesn't make sense for us to sustain one season for all 12 months. Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah, it does. And I think that really goes hand in hand with what's going on today and a lot of people feeling guilty for not being able to work, 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 you know, maybe because they're under stress and they're not getting enough sleep. And it's just, I think that if you can reiterate like the seasons and the importance of like understanding, Hey, your body's not always meant to be go, go, go. Sometimes you need like a few weeks to pull back and maybe not do so much and then go back at it. You are hitting the nail on the head, Stephanie. I'm getting chills (laughs) while you're saying that it's so important to understand seasonal shifts. Seasons can come like quarters, Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, if we're lucky. Um, Others, it's like on a monthly basis. Um, So for example, the month of February, I was in San Diego working with a launch. It was super beautiful and intense, but we were working, taking calls six days a week. I'm working on my business as well. So that was 28 days. That was an intense season of work. And I knew that going into it. So being aware of like, all right, what is my projected season here? Um, But part of it too, if you think about work like hydration, work and rest, when you're drinking water during the day, right, you have to stay hydrated. And Stephanie, have you ever been like truly dehydrated before? Yeah. It sucks. It's horrible. And it takes a while. It takes several days, maybe even a week or two to actually feel like yourself again, like your body's working again, same thing happens with rest and work. Hydrate. I call it like you have to make sure you're hydrating yourself. It's preemptive because once you hit that dehydration point, especially when it comes to work, like burnout, it takes even more rest, even more time to actually get back to that level. So being aware of like, all right, what is my projected, what does my month even look like? Can I make sure I build in rest and recovery? This is the productivity expert telling you, you have permission to rest. It is so key in that output. Um, But just understanding and the awareness is of what season is around you will equip you with how much work and how much rest you're truly going to need. I love that. So important. Do you recommend, um, do you recommend that people plan their month in advance, like their whole month, or is it more like week by week? Like what do you think is the best for the brain and for Yeah, baby. I say planning is the process. That's one of my favorite little hashtags. I have my students do planning is the process. So Abe Lincoln says, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I will spend the first four sharpening my ax. So planning, oh, planning is your secret weapon. So especially when it comes to understanding how to plan. Number one, look at your month. What Big projects do you know are here? Do you have any events? Do you have any family things that you need to attend to? Just being aware and putting those on your calendar. Um, And then I'm a huge weekly planner. One of the number one things I teach is time blocking because that is a game changer for people and how to time block on a weekly basis um, to be able to have really effective weeks because 90% of us are sitting down to do the work and we have this long ass to-do list and you don't actually understand. Just keep adding to it. Right, right. <laughs> keep adding to it. Your to-do list sucks. Stop making a linear to-do list. It doesn't show your progress. <laughs> I do that, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> you and I have a conversation, Steph. No worries. But one of the number one things to do, especially if you are putting too much at your plate at once or you're having trouble focusing on one task at a time, is to take some time to plan and break it down and get it out of your head. So when we're going back to our neuro nerd science, 
your retinas, your eyeballs, are the first level of subconscious processing. That's code word for when you are physically writing something out, either on your calendar, typing it out, or you're physically writing it out, your brain sees that that thought, that communication has been heard, and it won't be in your head anymore. So you're actually creating mental spaciousness when you're planning. So you actually have the capacity to pull out that creative genius that you have. So planning, having that awareness, spending four hours to sharpen your axe is the number one tip to become more productive is to become a responsive and radical awareness in your planning. Mm. I love that. I'm taking notes. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I can, I can see your listeners like typing their notes too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is so, okay. So when it comes to, you mentioned time blocking, tell me what, exactly what that looks like. So time blocking. So if you can imagine colorful blocks on your calendar, um, that's, it's like Tetris with your calendar um, and you get to be the boss. So I know initially when somebody hears time blocking or they hear scheduling, they might feel that constriction of like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to be restricted. I don't want boundaries. I know some of us are rebels and we do not like to be told what to do. However, you are your own boss, right? Even if you're working with a company, you are in control of your time. So time blocking is the art of being able to schedule out your week. So when you sit down to do a project or a task, you know exactly what you're doing and you're making more progress and completion than you would if you did not plan. So time blocking 101, three steps. Number one, make sure all your events are on your calendar first calls, meetings, doctor's appointments, virtual happy hours, um, family, anything like that, that is a fit, that is an event that is a synchronous, meaning like you and me have a synchronous event right now, staff, where we're on, we're on recording and we're talking to each other synchronously. That was on my calendar. Step number two is adding buffers. Buffers being 15 to 30 minute literal nothingness, just a buffer after these calls, after these events, it is imperative that you add buffers to your calendar because this prevents over planning, over scheduling. Uh, calls sometimes tend to run a little bit longer. It allows you the time to get up and go to the bathroom and get a snack and actually have that. And not feel guilty about it or behind. You want a fancy business word for it? I call it strategic disengagement, right? That yeah. allows you to have that brain rest so you can keep going throughout your day. So number one, events. Number two, buffers. Um, and I highly recommend putting a buffer as like a separate event. So for example, if you have an hour long call, make it 12 to one. And then from one to one thirty is your buffer. Step number three, this is where, I, where you start to break down your week. This is when you start to put projects and tasks on your calendar. And to do this, I would recommend pulling out one sheet of paper, cutting it in half. One side is work, one side is personal, right? Because you're the front line of your business, personal stuff is important. And I want you to brain dump everything that you need to get done that is not, a ta that is not an event, excuse me, because that's already on your calendar, but things like, Make sure module five is done. Get AC report to FLAV. Uh, making sure you have what you need to get done for work and for personal. And then choose the top three most important for each category. Here is what's really important. And I want everybody to listen really carefully to this. You immediately, I know, are thinking, where can I put this work task? No, I want you to put the personal tasks on first. 
because if your house is clean, your laundry's done, if your family time is in your calendar, you're going to be a much nicer person to be around. You're going to much be a much more relaxed person to be around if you know that stuff at home is taken care of. So making sure that your personal tasks are on there, the top three. And then looking at your work three projects, they're likely bigger piece, they're likely bigger projects. The key here is identifying how to break it down. What kind of progress do you want to make on this this week? One of the number one things I hear is like content batching. Okay, well, content batching is four steps. Coming up with the idea, drafting the idea, formatting the idea, and publishing it. Those are four different calendar events you could have right there. Hmm. One of the biggest guidelines with time blocking, no block is over two hours. That's your little Tetris block, right? It goes back to our circadian rhythm, making sure you have that break during the day. No block is over two hours, but the whole thing with this stuff is if it's on the calendar, it's important. And that's why putting your personal stuff on there makes it important. Um, and you have ah. the ability to move it around. If you don't want to get to it, honey, you can move it. You are the boss of your calendar. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's my problem. And I think a lot of the guys problem is that they put their personal life or their personal needs or self care second and work comes first. So even if I do, like, I'm just thinking of myself in the way of if I were to do this, I feel I would have a tendency to move the Tetris blocks of my personal stuff and move them after my work stuff. Like I just always have this mm. tendency to like get what you need to get done first. And then you can, mm. then you can play, then you could do what's like, you know, then you could take a bath, you know, and it's always get all this done first. Then you could do that. It's kind of like my self-care is my reward, which is, which is probably really mm. fucked up. But I know it's the same way with most of my clients and the guys listening to this too. Uh, so what if I, what if I told you guys that what if you, if you, if you prioritize your playtime and your self-care time, that it would actually make you more successful? Because if we're going to, I'm going to pull the science. The science on it is only 16% of creative breakthroughs come when you're working, right? Creative breakthroughs are what makes your ideas bigger, better. They're, you're able to follow them. Creativity actually comes when your shields of the brain are down, when your brain is actually resting and not focused on work, you're actually making those creative connections. So when you are doing your self-care, that's your hydration. So if you're hydrated, you can run farther, faster, and you have a longer endurance period. But if you aren't hydrating, you're going to get tired way, way quicker and somebody else is going to win the race. The way to win the race is to take care of you first. That's, that is the ultimate. So when you're prioritizing your baths, you're actually going to be a more effective podcast host, right? So it, it really honestly goes to that, you know, hydration. You're hydrating yourself so you can win the race first. And does that mean, like, say if, like, my task is to take a bath and relax, does that mean I should try to clear my mind as much as possible? And if I start brainstorming about work, just try to stop it? I don't ever believe that we can stop thoughts. <laughs> thoughts will always exist. <laughs> I mean, if you're... you know? redirect I mean have a journal when with you when you're when you're taking your rest time right so if you're like oh I have all these ideas baths and showers have we have some of the most creative ideas in there because we're not focused on work if work comes up awesome write it down get it out of your brain but it you I don't think we should ever fault ourselves or oh I'm thinking about work too much be aware that you're thinking about work and you get the decision. Do I want to keep thinking about it or do I want to think about something else? Right. Mm. Um, but taking that rest time, essentially it supercharges you. It, instead of recharging, it precharges. Right. Mm. 
Yeah, I can see that. And another question I had, which is probably um, on my listeners' minds as well, is I have, like, for instance, I may have five to six calls in one day. And even though it burns, even, not burns me out, but like, even though it's pretty exhausting to have them back to back, I also appreciate having like three back to back and then a half hour break and then two more. Um, just because with that half hour buffer, and this is like another, you know, part of me coming out and be like, no, 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 I don't know if I could do that buffer thing because, you know, there's like resistance there because mm-hmm. I feel like then my day is going to be so much longer and then I'm going to have to, you know, stretch out all these calls versus getting them done at this time versus being done with a glass of wine at this time. Really what I'm hearing stuff, especially because you are a lion, lions are done by 4 p.m. Like there is, there is no work. Mm-hmm. There is, there's just so much more tired for lions in particular in the latter part of the day. Um, so that comes down to understanding what you work best. So for example, for me, I don't take calls. I don't start work before 10 a.m. because it takes me a couple hours to warm up to the day. I like to get my movement out of the day. Like I like to get my morning done, but by 9, 30, 10 o'clock, I am so focused and so ready to go. Um, and part of what I know I need is at 2 p.m., it's like a hard, hard stop. I need to take 20 minutes and go for a walk or take a nap or meditate because that helps me sustain for the rest of the day. For somebody in your position, making sure that you like, okay, I'm going to boom, 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 get these out. But doing that five days a week is really exhausting. So being aware of those days that you do have five and six calls, like today is one of my days that I have six calls. I'm not doing any other kind of business work. I'm not doing any content planning. I'm not doing any admin work because I know the majority of my energy needs to be focused on these calls. So that's how I would look at your schedule and the buffers. I, I can understand that resistance of, I don't want to lose my flow. But the thing about the, the neurological science behind it is if you keep going, you will lose your flow, right? So taking those 10 minute breaks, taking that 15 minute buffer to reset. And that means not doing any other little, little work, like not answering an email, like literally getting up from the desk, going outside, taking four deep breaths, having a snack, doing a stretch, not looking on Instagram, but truly disengaging. It's making that muscle of creativity, of engagement stronger. Mm. So I can understand that you're like, oh, I'm going to lose my flow. But I will tell you, your brain is actually getting stronger, right? Productivity is a muscle. All of this is a muscle. You're actually strengthening it. It's like a little drill. It's a superset, right? So having those moments, you won't lose it. You'll actually get stronger. That makes so much sense. And that makes me think like, now that you pointed that out, that, that is true. Like I'll have calls at 6am, like I'll start my first call at 6am and then, you know, I'll end by, you know, noonish, but then I have a list of other things to do. So that's why it's like, okay, don't have the buffers. You have so much more you have to get done. But I think, like you said, I just have to really, you know, condense my, or make my days. No, this day is only for client calls and then no other work stuff, you know, like six, six hours is enough for work for that day. Like do something else hugely enough a hundred percent so like for me like my client calls don't count towards my work day it's like well I have to do that anyways this doesn't count that is part of your work (laughs) I know like that's how I think it's so fucked up (laughs) 
So especially with client calls, especially for your listeners, any kind of client meeting, client calls, that is so much sustained energy, right? You're holding, you're holding space in the room, you're holding space in the call, you're directing, you're leading. That is a lot of decision-making that you're making in your brain, right? Yeah. That time six hours and you try and do four more hours of work, you will be very tired, right? So yeah. the, one of the ways you can see it is a maker task versus manager task. Um, a maker task is going to be creative, insight, innovative, um, ideation, anything that is more on the creative side. Manager tasks are more logical, process-oriented, problem-solving, administrative. Um, and then the third one is actually communication tasks. Mm. So understanding, like communication, when are you best at communicating with people? This is going to be best for you to hold meetings. This is going to be best for you to write those long-form emails or even write your content, right? Because you're best at actually communicating your ideas. So when you're looking at your days, when you have six client calls, that's all you're doing. And then when a day you have lighter calls, you're like, oh, this can be more of a manager day where I'm doing more, pro like building a process for my business or getting the admin or the bookkeeping done on a free day. That's a great maker day because you have this freedom to think, to create, to act on your ideas. So understanding your week as a whole will give you that power to have that endurance for the heavy call days, for the heavy creative days, and for the heavy process days. Mm, I love that. Oh, this is great. I know. Productivity I, is so sexy. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to, and you know, I'll just use myself an example as an example since we just talked through that. But you know, often we can fall into you know, like you're saying, we don't have the energy to move forward if we're just go, go, go all the time. And that's, that is when you hit burnout. And I know a lot of the guys, a lot of my listeners do hit burnout and then they feel like they're just stuck or, you know, they don't know what to do next. Um, I hit it last week. I actually got sick and then I had to spend 12 hours a night sleeping to get out of it. Like I slept so much and it makes total sense with what you're saying. It's kind of like that sleep has to make up, you have to sleep so much more to get your energy back. Um, and that just, you know, makes so much sense and burnout is a real thing. You know, everyone can relate to it. So can you, can you tell us like the early signs of burnout and like, what's the first thing we should do when we see is the first sign? A hundred percent. This is a huge, super important concept. The reason I make so many sports analogies is because people understand fitness and the body and working out and they're like, oh yeah, movement's so good for you. Resting your muscles is so good for you. I'm like, take it to your brain, bro. Take it to your brain. <laughs> So when it comes to burnout, burnout is essentially like you are straining a muscle, right? Like if you get a hamstring strain or a, a mini bicep tear when you're working out, that muscle's done. Like you have to stop, drop, roll. You have to PT it. You have to then, and then work yourself back up. You're actually inhibiting your ability to be an effective worker, athlete, whatever you're doing, you're, you're actually taking away your ability to work, right? So how can you notice a brain strain, we'll call it. That's what's going to lead to that burnout. Number one uh, is if you are having a really hard time focusing, um, if your energy levels are depleted, um, the ways that you can actually tell this, uh, people, your relationships actually might see it first, right? It's really hard to see the bottom of our own shoe. Um, if it's hard to listen in a conversation with somebody else that you love, that you hang around all the time, one of your friends, one of your partners, um, any kind of resentment that bubbles up for your work, that's a sign. Um, anytime that you are feeling like you are not making progress, that's a sign, right? Where you're like, oh, I've been banging my head up against a wall. I don't know why I'm not making progress on this. 
you probably need a break. So the number one thing to do when you get overstressed is to stop, drop, and self-care. And that means going back to your wellness, right? Are you moving your body? Are you breathing? Are you sleeping? Are you drinking water? You nourish it. Like your brain takes 25% of your daily energy. If you are not nurturing that, if you are not supporting that, it will drain you. So signs of burnout when it first comes is that honestly, it really, the way, the number one thing that I see is resentment and lack of listening, right? And that means lack of listening to your body. And then you'll start to deals with yourself. Oh no, I'll just get through this next one thing. Oh no, I'll just stay up a little bit longer and do like when you start making deals with yourself, that's when you are actually, you know what <laughs> I'm saying. me like, all last week. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to get this one thing done. Oh, come wait. on. <laughs> and I will tell you something that one of my coworkers, Joanna, shout out. She said to me four years ago when I was in this same position, I was managing 43 contractors, over 180 clients, like just so much. And I was hitting that point and I just needed to like sleep for a day. And she goes, Mackenzie, if it is not on fire and it does not cure cancer, it is not an emergency. And understanding that and when you're starting to hit those burnout phases, we're human. We get it. Communicate it. Steph, you have so many beautiful points for your listeners on how to be really effective communicators. When you're starting to feel that, saying like, hey, guys, I'm human. I'm feeling like I just need a little extra rest right now. Um, Over communication with your team members, um, with your clients that you're working with, we're going to understand because it's not an emergency. It's not on fire and it doesn't cure cancer. Like you can, it can wait 48 hours. It can wait a week. Right. But being able to over communicate that will give you that spaciousness to actually rehydrate rest and come back at that stronger point. Mm, I love that. And what do you mean? You mentioned resentment, right? Was one of the things, Mm -hmm. can you expand on Mm -hmm. that? So when the burnout happens, when it, the, the inklings of it, when you sit down to work, when you get like the Sunday scaries where you're usually most of us were like, I love my work. Like, this is radical. Like, I'm all, this is awesome. When you start to have the Sunday scaries where it's Sunday night and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to go back to work tomorrow. Or like, holy shit, I have a really big week. Like, I don't know if I want to do this. That inner dialogue of um, pulling away, that inner dialogue of like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do that. Like that kind of resentment towards the projects, the projects that are literally just work. It's not a human, right? When you start to feel that resentment bubble up, the Sunday scaries of like, oh my God, I have to do this again. That's when you know you need to take some more rest. Mm, I feel that. Yeah. Crazy. All right. What about, let's just talk in a more general like side of when people are just not in the mood to do what they have to do. And they're like, I know I need to get this done, but I just can't get myself to do it. <laughs> <laughs> How do you address those people? This is like, <laughs> I got you. We all, we, we all have to do shit we don't want to do, right? Um, yeah. One of the number one things that you can do here, um, I call them, it's kind of environmental cues, right? So if you physically look around your environment, what is your desk like? What chair are you sitting in? Um, what are you wearing? Are you actually getting ready for work even though you're working from home? Um, your physical environment has a bigger to do than your internal environment. Sometimes we have that. We think, Oh, our willpower. It's just, I'm going to force myself to do this task Ain't going to work, honey. You actually have to physically trigger yourself into, okay, I'm going to do this work. 
So number one, um, if there's a task that you don't want to do, um, figure out what kind of task is it. Um, try and go do it in a different chair or a different spot in your house. Do it in your backyard. Physically change your environment. Maybe change the shirt you're wearing or put on blue blockers. These environmental cues will trick your brain into like, all right, you got to focus. Number two, set a time limit. A task will take as long as you give it. Um, a way some of you probably have heard of the Pomodoro technique, 25 minutes on five minutes off, give it like two Pomodoros. And when I say 25 minutes on five minutes off, I mean, set a timer and stick to the timer because that's going to help that brain sustain. And you're like, you just have to sit down and get it done, but try and sit in a different chair, a different place, right? The same place that you're doing, uh, content creation might not be the same spot that you're sitting in for, um, like ma manager work, right? When you're actually doing admin or process. So I would, I would honestly change your physical state, right? That's going to help trick your neurotransmitters, that communication system in your mind for like, oh, we're ready. We can get this done now. But that is the number one thing to do to actually get the things that need to get done that you don't want to do. <laughs> mm, that's so interesting. And it's like, I do most of my work from my desk, as I'm sure, you know, my clients and my listeners do as well. They probably you know, work at their desk and that's where they try to get all this brain activity in that same spot. Um, do you recommend, you know, for each task doing something different at your desk? Like, would that help if you, if say you have to be in the same spot, like just change, like you said, put on glasses or like do something. Having a little tiny, so there's a Duke, a Duke psychologist who says when you do things in the same place, um, enough times it becomes subconscious, subconscious. So when it comes to identifying, like, what are the three main types of work stuff that you do? So you do podcasting, client calls. What's a third type of work that you do? Um, Instagram. Posts. Instagram. Instagram posts. So content creation. Beautiful. Yeah. So likely you're taking client calls and podcasts right from your desk, right? Mm-hmm. So when you sit down to your desk, your brain's like, oh, great. We're going to get into the moment of communication, right? We're in a communicative mode. We're running the show. If you were also trying to do Instagram posts from your desk, your brain's like, but wait, we actually have to be talking to people right now. Why aren't we talking to people? Because your subconscious is like, oh, when we sit down to the desk, we're talking to clients. Versus if you actually sat maybe on your bed or you sat on uh, your kitchen table and you specifically sat in the same chair to do content creation, after about three times of doing that, your brain's like, oh, this is our content creation chair. Um, so especially like don't eat lunch at your desk. Oh, uh, don't sure. watch, don't watch <laughs> Netflix the same place that you work. <laughs> I do that too. <laughs> Move, even moving the, moving the, moving the computer or changing the seat that you're in. Um, I wear blue blockers mm. when I do process work. I can't wear them when I'm doing coaching calls because it's just, I talk with my hands and it's like a physical block, but I wear content, I content, I wear, <laughs> I wear content. I wear blue blockers when I'm doing content creation. Um, but I also, I have a desktop that I work from. I only take coaching calls and I do process work on my desktop. I do all of my content creation on my laptop. Mm. So I have a super small home, 850 square feet. Um, our, my 12 year old stepdaughter is homeschooling here. My husband, who's an architect is also working here. So we have to work with a small amount of space, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll go from my desk to the couch, which is literally one step, but that is enough of a context switch that I'm like, all right, I have to sit down and do content creation. I'm going to sit and do it from my laptop and not my desktop. And that's a, that's a small enough cue for my brain to help get me into that flow. 
Mm. I love that. So nothing drastic. You're just nothing drastic. Yeah. Changing it up a little bit. You are the whole thing. You are, you are the boss. You get to decide, but being aware that your physical environment can work with you instead of opposition to you. Yeah. Yeah. Get work for you. All right. Um, as far as I love this, um, as far as putting, what should we put on our plate? Like how much should we put on our plate at once? I think you mentioned there's top, there's a top three work priority list and a top three personal. Is that a daily thing that we plan daily? How would you go about doing that? So that is a really great piggyback off of that time blocking conversation, right? So when you're time blocking, you got to identify for like six days. I plan through Saturday because I do yoga and I like to go do crafts and like go on hikes. So I make sure that's in my calendar on Saturdays. Oh, so However, on a weekly, you pick out all the three. I three week, yeah, day. on a weekly, but obviously day to day, like the only thing that we're really concerned about is on a daily basis. I have this little formula for you. It's called P plus three. <laughs> so P is priority. What is the number one most important task you need to make progress on or complete today? If you do that, it was a successful day. And then you have three other tasks that you can attend to. So writing that out at the beginning of the day, that's part of my planning routine in the morning. I have a 30-minute planning session where I get to inbox zero, clear out all my communication, check my Instagram DMs, and set my day up so I'm really aware of, great, this is the priority task, and here are the three other tasks I can make progress on today. Um, P plus three will help drive that, but here's the thing. I know some of your listeners are like, I'm going to do all four tasks. Honey, we tend to overestimate what we can do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a lifetime. When you're actually scaling back the amount of to-dos you're doing on a daily basis, you're going to get more done. Mm. So P plus three, one priority because priorities, the plural version, you, things you can't have multiple things that are the most important. The most important means one. Mm. Um, also, this is a total sidebar. Uh, the word priority is really fascinating, right? The first 540 years of its, of its usage, it was singular because only one thing could be the most important. The, it turned plural after World War II, right? So when women got into the workplace and a lot more industrialization and standardization, priorities, family and work. Mm, the interesting thing about, yeah, the interesting so cool. thing about the etymology, which is the history of the word, uh, when the word priorities spiked in usage, they found a correlation. There was a higher usage of the word overwhelm. So when your priorities are multiple, so is your overwhelm. So that's why I say one priority and three tasks. That is how you can make sure you have the right amount of Thanksgiving on your plate on a daily basis, right? P plus three. Oh, I love that. So helpful. So simple for a daily, daily thing. Um, daily work. Yeah. When it comes to, all right. So say, say you do your one priority and your three other tasks and you get them done. Something I know my guys need some help with as well as myself is, um, <laughs> is getting that, giving ourselves that emotional fulfillment after the tasks are done instead of feeling like, well, that was necessary. Like I should have done that anyway. Like it's very hard for them to 
give themselves some sort of pat on the back or like appreciate themselves for doing it or acknowledging the fact, Hey, I got what I needed to get done. It's just always, well, you should have done that anyway. Like you didn't finish this. Mm. How do you get that emotional fulfillment? That is a beautiful journey that you guys are on right now. How like that is something that I see a lot of my students struggle with as well. Of Like, well, I got everything I needed to get those done. Like I wanted to do more work. It goes back to the beginning of our conversation. When you make somebody more productive, like you take eight hours of work, they get it done in four. They want to work for the other four hours. Uh, I bet you each, like you probably have stuff you really love, like reading books or playing with your pet or coming up with new ideas for things, right? When you get your tasks done, two things need to happen. Number one, I recommend having a wins journal, a wins list. Um, especially if you have a static to-do list. And what that means is like you literally have a piece of paper with a bunch of checkboxes on it and crossing it off. That doesn't show you any celebration. Um, so if you actually have like a done list and as you finish things, you write like, I got this done, I got this done, I got this done, or you highlight your done tasks. The, the to-do list is a whole other conversation, but having honestly the number one thing that was a huge shift in my entrepreneurship journey was creating a wins journal, um, either at the end of the week or on a daily basis of like, I made this decision, I solved this problem, but actually taking some time and you can put it on your calendar of like, I need to learn how to celebrate myself. This is who did I help today? What problems did I solve? How did I solve them? And just acknowledging that intangible growth, you have to find some way of measuring that and writing it down is a great way to start that because as entrepreneurs, um, even people working with companies, right? You are in charge of your own business growth, your own job growth. You have to become your best cheerleader because if you know how to cheerlead yourself, you can actually cheerlead do that for other people. And that's what makes you a leader. So taking the time on a daily basis or at the end of the week, even at the end of the month, look at all I got done. Here's the problems that I solved. Here's who I solved them for. And here's how I solved them. That little exercise will really help you on the days where you're like, oh my God, I got nothing done. Say like, whoa, bro, I got so much done. And just actually, because we're at, we work from home, you can do this. Actually say it out loud or look at yourself in the mirror like, wow, we got a lot done today. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but there is an energy no, around. <laughs> there is an energy around expressing it, expressing it and vocalizing it, right? You have to find ways to be your best partner because you are in the longest relationship with yourself, longer than anyone else. So that would be the number one thing to do when it comes to like how do you actually celebrate yourself? Yeah, things needed to get done. Not everybody does what's needed and you did. So you should celebrate the fuck out of yourself for that. Hmm. Love that. All right. Another question, which is an interesting question. Um, how do you build now since there's COVID people are working from home they're not used to working from home and maybe they mm-hmm. got most of their, um, accountability from their coworkers, right. Or the people around them or simply driving to an office kind of held them more accountable to their work. And now that they're not there, maybe they're laid off and not working at all. And they're trying to get themselves to to do things, how do you build accountability systems? Like, especially during. Mm. 
That sounds like it's two parts. One is the shift of working from home or not being able to work. How can you still get into a state of being able to do work, being able to be accountable? And then the second part of that is how are you staying accountable? Yeah. Mm. So the first part, working from home, um, a couple of things to do. Number one, still get ready for work like put on your work clothes. That is that physical state, that environmental cue of like, great, we're going to work. Um, Some of us were lucky in going to an office. That is a huge state shift of like, boom, as soon as you walk through those doors, you're in work mode. As soon as you leave those doors, you're in home mode. Now our homes are both our work and our recovery environment. So that's why saying like, change the chair, go sit on the couch for that. That's why that's important. Mm -hmm. So making sure like you're wearing shoes during the day. And then when you're done working, take off your shoes that these are these subtle, but super important environmental cues to make sure you're working and to make sure you're done working for the day. Cause at some point you need to stop. Right. So making sure like that's the way you can keep yourself accountable is do as you would do as if you were still in your office. Some of us, um, I'm one of these people, I work from home. I've been working from home for four years. Um, I don't have my office is my living room at my desk, but I have my husband now working from home and that's a shift in my home office, right? So another thing to do is especially if your listeners do have partners, have an office meeting, quote unquote, home office meeting, set it for an hour, run it like you would at work. Hey, these are our three main objectives. We're going to go over our schedules communication boundaries and individual needs. Here's when there needs to be a quiet kitchen, right? Because I'm on 17 hours of coaching calls a week, so I can't have you baking at the same time because our kitchen and our living room are so close. Or one of my communication boundaries is um, we have like little bandanas and scarves. If the scarf is hanging off of our chair, that means we're in focus mode, no questions. Like keep us, let us be in our zone of genius, Um, or if my headphones are in, or if my glasses are on, that just means that I'm focus mode. Communication boundaries also being like, Hey, after, after my client calls, I need to completely just like turn off. It's not that I'm ignoring you. It's that I just need to not hold space for anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, individual needs. You still need alone time. (laughs) You still need you time. So being able to communicate great. If the, um, if I'm in the backyard and the both doors are closed, that means it's, you know, Mackenzie's alone time or having that kind of communication will be really effective to set up. And then in terms of keeping yourself accountable over communication, because right now with COVID it's taking twice, if not three times the amount of energy and self-care and rest to have like the normal amount of energy during the day with your work. Um, so when you're actually, I would recommend with a coworker or even with a friend, I have, I have two friends I do this with, um, setting up, same time every week, like an hour long conversation, you get 20 minutes and then they, co- then they coach you for 10 minutes and then they get 20 minutes and you coach them for 10 minutes. Um, I call them like soul sibling conversations. I have mine with um, two different gals and they're, 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 uh, one's a queen's chamber. The other one is a soul sister's conversation. But it's just a point where you can check in like, hey, what did you want to get done this last week? How are you doing really? But having that download and that expression will help you keep accountable because you're 98% more likely to complete your work when you have told it to somebody and you have a specific date and time that you have to update them. So that is how I would recommend, right? We're all starving for connection right now. 
reach out to somebody else who you have a close connection with or want to build one and set up these hour long mastermind conversations that has that clear format. I'm going to download, you coach me, you get to download, I'll coach you. Mm-hmm. That is that. how we That's can stay accountable. Yeah. And I think for guys, you know, if it doesn't have to be, you know, this legit coaching call and you're like, spend all this time on it. Like if you don't have the time, if you do do it, but like, you know, if you only have 10 minutes here or there to call, you know, call a friend, then just say, Hey man, like, I really want to get this done by the end of the week. Can you just like hold me to it? You know, just asking a friend and just simply telling that friend, even if he doesn't hold you to it, like Max said, you're more likely to follow through and actually do it. Mm-hmm. Even just that 10 minute drop in of like, Hey bro, did you get this done, this done and this done, right? You only get three yeah. main tasks a week. That'll be your bread and butter. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I could go on and on. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to welcome to the productivity to an end. I know <laughs> that was sexy. We can do this again. Well, thank you so much, Mac. This was all such helpful information, especially during this time. You know, like I said, people need people need help feeling productive and also not beating themselves up for not being super productive 100 percent of the time. And you know, like you mentioned, self care is part of that productivity. So don't think that when you're taking care of yourself, you're not a productive person. I think is a really great takeaway. Um, If you could give the guys like one main point, if they were to walk away with any one main point from this conversation, uh, what would you, what would you want them to walk away with? So good. I would have to say that you're to be the most successful person, right? With your business, with your relationships right now, making sure you're hydrated metaphorically with enough rest, self-care and recovery time that will actually make your brain stronger. It will make you more creative. um, And you will have more sustained endurance, not only through this time, but as our time continues. That is the number one takeaway I want you guys to leave with. Love it. Thanks so much, Mac. Thanks for what you do and for for helping everyone based on your own personal experience. Um, It's such a beautiful story. And I love love your energy and all your knowledge. And the guys got so much out of this. I know I did as well. So thank you so much. Oh, such a pleasure, Steph. Thank you so much for having me on. It was so fun getting into this juicy conversation with you. And I know your listeners are just so grateful for what you bring to them. You are one of those game changers, girl. Oh, thank you. Guys, how amazing was that episode? How awesome is Mackenzie? I love her energy. <laughs> like I could talk to you all day about this stuff. She's so excited about it. I learned a lot in this episode. I'm sure you have too. And hopefully moving forward, it helps you when you're at home during this time, maybe not knowing what to do first or how much to do in a day. Um, I know it really helped me out and I have began to begun to implement a lot of the tools and strategies she shared on the show and with me into my daily life practices now. And it has been feeling just... <sighs> like like that, like a breath of fresh air. That didn't sound like a very nice breath of fresh air. <laughs> <sighs> That's what it feels like now. Anyway, guys, um, that is the episode for today. I'm going to leave Mackenzie's info uh, in the description, just so that you guys know exactly how to find her. Don't forget to leave a review for this podcast. I would so appreciate it. Please leave a review. Um, I stopped asking for reviews and I'm like, oh shit, I need to keep this up. <laughs> so I would love to keep getting guests for you on the show. I know I got a little lazy with guests for a while and was 
was just sticking with the solo episodes, but bringing guests back on. So please leave a testimonial and let me know what type of content you love most. And then I can get more guests around those topics. So love to help you out guys. Have an amazing morning, evening, or night wherever you are in the world. And I will talk to you soon.